Welcome to the Extraordinary Educators Podcast. Your hosts, Danielle Sullivan, National Director at Curriculum Associates, and Sari Labaris, Social Communications Manager at Curriculum Associates, are here to share actionable tips, best practices, and success stories to improve your classroom and drive student learning. Enjoy, and thanks for listening. Hi, everyone. This is Danielle. Hey, everyone. It's Sari, and welcome back to the Extraordinary Educators podcast. We know there is a lot happening right now, and we hope we can provide you with some insights, tips, and best practices and breathing room from the critical work that you do. We are here to support teaching and learning wherever it is taking place this year. And with us today, we have a very special guest, Frank. So I'm going to go ahead and let him introduce himself. Um, Tell us a little bit about you. Uh, Go ahead. Welcome, Frank. Thank you. Thank you. Well, elementary teacher, uh, fourth grade math and science was last year. Uh, Fourth and fifth grade is where I've been for the past few years. I teach in Texas in the DFW area. Um, I've been at one of our districts here, one of our uh, urban but suburban, one of those districts that lies right in the middle of the urban area and the suburban area. Um, this coming year, I'm transitioning over to Dallas, which um, should be more of an urban feel, but oddly enough, it's not. Um, because the district I used to work in, although it is considered a suburban district, physically, it is in the city of Dallas. So it's a very high needs area. It's very similar to the urban district of Dallas. Great. Well, we are so excited to have you on the podcast because you have been doing some pretty phenomenal things in this virtual environment, including connecting with families as you prepare to administer assessments at home. We would love to hear from you. What is, you know, some of the things that you want to share with educators that are must do's or what are some successful things you've seen when you're communicating with families? Okay. Well, first of all, let me mention that the Last year, the end of last year was an extraordinary thing because we were forced into it. We were forced into it. And because of the nature of the way things transpired, we were not, there was not a lot of accountability demands placed on us as far as end of year testing in Texas, the star testing was canceled. So we had the freedom to do what we needed to do. The particular district that I work with, they actually did not have end of year testing. Um, because we had transitioned to online learning after spring break. Um, it took us a few weeks to be able to ramp up, um, get kids connected and be able to develop some kind of rhythm. And the stress families were under the district just didn't want to make a formal test at the end of the year. But they did leave it up to us to coordinate something. So using we were, I was using iReady throughout the school year. And it first of all, let me mention, I love the platform for this reason especially this coming year, we need something as teachers that can transition from online to in-classroom with ease. Mm-hmm. We found that with this system. Um, if we go back to school in the next few weeks and we move away from online learning, the platform allows me to transition my, the system. If all of a sudden something breaks out in the school and I have to go back to online learning, the system allows me to transition back. And, and then it has the assessment methodologies for me to be able to track whether I'm in the classroom or at home, um, how to do that. The at-home piece is the part that I'll talk about because that, that was more of a challenge last year. Um, how do I test kids at home? We are not used to uh, a standard mm-hmm. test or a formal test that is a couple of hours long at home is just something 
I for one have never done and I don't really know people who have done that. Um, even in school, there's a formalized method of making sure your hallways are quiet, making sure teachers are, are monitoring but not directing uh, you know, the test itself. Mm-hmm. Um, there are systems that are set in place for us to be able to test in the classroom. And when we have to do it at home, it feels very uncomfortable because I, my ability to monitor, my ability to trust the outcome of the, of the, the results, I was very confused. However, throughout the online learning phase, I, I did a huge effort to reach out to the families. First of all, because in the classroom, um, I have a lot of kids that are off task. And it's my job to kind of bring them back on task and make sure that work is progressing, make sure that learning is progressing. I can't do that with the kids at home. So from the very beginning of online learning, I, I discovered that I have to be able to work in partnership with parents because they can see their kids working. They can keep their t- kids on task. They can redirect when the kids are off task. Um, they can set up a schedule for learning at home. So I tried to do that during the learning phases. When it came to testing, um, I worked, I, I set up meetings with all my families, um, students and parents together to explain to them that we were going to do an end of the year diagnostic. So um, the, the purpose of the diagnostic is simply going to be focused around the idea that your kids have progressed extraordinarily throughout the year. Um, you don't want to end the year without the satisfaction of being able to tell these kids how much they've grown. And not only that, with that was the, the, the student side. I know as your teacher, you've grown tremendously and I want to be able to show you how much you've grown. From the parent side, it's more along the lines of COVID came in. We transitioned from in-classroom to, to online learning and we need to know how this affected your child. You know, I talked to them, for example, about the summer slide. When your child ends the school year, starts the next year, there's a downward uh, slide that happens. Because of the COVID closures, we don't know how exponential that's going to be. Is it going to be twice as big, three times as big as the normal summer slide? So at the end of the school year, as a parent, I want to be able to tell you where your child ended the year. And if the COVID situation affected your child a great deal, you need to be aware that during the summer, there's going to be some catch up that needs to take place. If uh, So the whole purpose was to, for them to understand the why and the value of this test. And they were very, very happy with it. Um, I wasn't sure how they were going to react. Throughout the, the online learning, I had 28 students. I had two students that just couldn't get over the technological issue and never ended up logging on during those months. Everyone else was able to log on. But even then, during my Zoom meetings with my class, I used to have 18 to 21 students. I never had a Zoom class where all of my students showed up. That's just the way it was. Um, and even though I kept telling them how important it was, I never had a Zoom class with all my kids. Yet, test day, I, I, two weeks before test day, I met with a parent. I started, not exactly two weeks, but I started setting up meetings with the parents and students, explained to them the importance, explained to them that this is going to be a formal test, that I need them to be. Sometimes when you're in Zoom, the kids are laying in bed, they're sitting, they're doing different things. I said, I need your child on a tabletop flat with their computer. I need them to have something to write with. I need outside noise to be reduced. I would like for you to be present so you could monitor that your child is working. However, they have to work on their own. You can't help them. You can't tutor them. You can't do anything. And I explained to them that we were going to be using the iReady diagnostic and that I was going to proctor through Zoom. Um, So I I had a conversation with the parents and the children that 
We're going to all log on together. We're going to log you on to the diagnostic. And once I, I allow the kids to start working, they will close the iReady screen or close the Zoom screen and open iReady. But the sound stays on. The video does not, of course, because they're working on their iPad. But the sound stays on. And I ask the children to leave the sound on. So I can hear what they're doing. If the parents are talking in the background, I can hear the parents. Um, everything that's going on, there's too much noise. And I tell them, we need a quiet environment. So if around you there's noise, we're going to hear it. So I need you to coordinate. I ask the parents, you know, siblings, if there's any way for this time, can we have them in another room? Can we have them somewhere else? And the parents did extraordinary things to accommodate. They, they, I would say probably about 70% of the parents were actually present during the testing. I could see them in the background sitting down or walking around nervously, but they didn't, they didn't, they, I never heard a parent try to help a child. And, and I explained to them very clearly, I need to know what your child is able to do, not you. So do I need you to not help them. You help them with homework. You help them with assignments. I understand that. But during this test, I don't want any help from you outside of just um, watching them to make sure that their environment is set. Um, the day of the test, all of my kids showed up with the exception of, of those two that had technical issues. Uh, uh, now, I must say, one of the parents told me that she couldn't accommodate the time. And that is another thing. I was flexible on the time. I said, it's the last day of school, which is a Wednesday. At 1.30, we're meeting as a class to have this test. If you can't do that time, I need to know so we can coordinate something. I gave them the option of setting up a secondary time. One of my parents told me, I'm at work during that time, and I want to be able to monitor him working. So what I did is for that one child, I did it at 7 p.m. so the parent could monitor it, um, and they showed up. But I was surprised to, to see that all of the kids showed up uh, for the diagnostic. And um, even though that was the last day of school, I, we had two days of quote-unquote teacher end-of-the-year wrap-up. During those last two days, I set up a meeting with the parents to give them the results of the diagnostic and tell them what their child was. Um, and, and, you know, that was... That was the whole idea behind that. And when we tested, I was very impressed because, you know, in the classroom when we're testing, I keep the sound, you know, under control. I keep kids focused and working. You know, there's always a child who raises his hand for a question. There's always a child who has to go to the restroom, things like that. And it was the same environment here. I told them, um, I can hear you, but I can't see you. If you have a question, minimize your eye ready, open your Zoom, and you can talk to me. Or you can just speak up and say, Mr. Salinas, I have a question. And throughout the test, it happened a couple of times. For anyone who's familiar with iReady, we actually had a couple of students where the system locked up on them. And, uh, okay, we'll give it give it 20 seconds, 30 seconds. If it doesn't come back, shut it down, restart it, and your diagnostic should be right where you stop. And it, it happened about three times throughout the test. Um, other little questions that students have. And I, I, I emphasize to them, I need the best work out of you because I need to know where you are academically. Um, don't rush through the test. Don't guess at the answers. Take your time. And I was surprised that the time that the test takes in the classroom was pretty much exactly what it took online. Start Students started finishing at about an hour 15, and the more advanced kids that tend to go longer, I think the longest one took almost two and a half hours to finish, and he, was, he finished way advanced. Uh, he's, these are fourth graders that are doing sixth grade level work. So they were way up there, but he took his time. He focused. He did his work. Um, the, it was very similar to what we do in the classroom. Um, 
I felt comfortable with with the results. And not only that, in following up with the parents, I was able to tell them, for example, well, you know, your child after spring break took five weeks to get online. And since she's he or she has been online, she's done about 20 to 30% of the work that I'm assigning. So she has, her results are not where I expected them to be. So she is a little below where I expected her to end the year. And so I was able to tell the parents, your child was affected by this closure. I had a few kids that finished ahead of where I expected them. And, I, and these are the kids that during online learning were doing 100% of the work. They were doing everything, even beyond. They were working through iReady like I had no idea they could. And um, they ended up finishing higher than I expected. And I, and I was able to tell their parents, I go, you know, your child adapted to online learning extremely well. Her progress did not stop. It continued throughout the closure and where she ended the year even higher than I expected. So some kids were able to adapt, some were not, but I was able to tell the parents, one, where their kids ended the year, and two, how affected they were by the time by the time. Like so much. <laughs> I mean, there were there, diagnostics. The data. I'm a data person when it comes to teaching. You can't teach without knowing where you are, where you're going, and, and it, are you meeting goals or not. If you're not, it's the difference between teaching and lecturing. If you're a if you're a lecturer, you show up, you speak, and it's up to the person in front of you whether they learn from you or not. That's not what teaching is. Teaching is making sure that kids are assimilating information, growing with it, and, and able to use it. It's just so great. You, you you talked about so many best practices that I think a lot of educators could could replicate just to like unpack that a little. First of all, I think just the expectations you already had established in your classroom with your testing culture and them understanding and then just their swift transition to doing that at home was because you had set that up from the beginning, you know, and just the way that you front loaded with families and got that buy-in, why the assessment was important, enabled them to also be excited about it. They probably want to know where their students at. And then after closing the loop, I think that's such an important piece and probably hard for teachers to do at the end of the school year, but them just knowing, and you probably thanking them for their time, but it's not just like, okay, we're going to take this test. The student takes the test and then it's over. It's like, no, and here's how your student did. Here's what that means moving forward. It's just super, super powerful and just reinforces about how important it is to, you know, have their student try their best at home. Mm-hmm. And I would say, As a as a disclaimer, I will say that prior to this, I was a teacher who I did not like using online learning in my classroom. I I I did not even use Google Classroom when I was in my classroom. I I like to see paperwork. I'd like to see. So when this change happened, you know, I I you have to practice what you preach, and then you're forced to do something. You have to adapt. You have to learn. You have to make the best of the situation. You have to guide the change to take advantage of it. So I thought that we have to utilize this time effectively. And even now, this new school year, there's challenges because there's going to be more pressure for accountability. There's got to be growth that is demonstrated that was not necessarily pushed last year. There's got to be ways of demonstrating forward movement. Um, But if we embrace it with creativity and opportunity, I think we have the potential of developing extraordinary things. Because right now, people are very accommodating to new practices. As long as we understand the purpose and we show results, it's going to allow us to do really good things, I think. Um, as a matter of fact, when we go back to the classroom, some of these things that I developed for online learning, I intend to keep, to keep doing once I'm back in the classroom. Because just the idea of recording the lesson 
and having it available permanently on Google Classroom or something, the fact that a student in that classroom who doesn't listen very well can go back and listen to the lesson again and again and a fourth time if they need to, um, that's a huge advantage that I've never taken advantage of before. And now it just makes sense. It just makes sense. So I just, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. I just do want to thank you because you're op- like ending the way you just did your optimism, your growth mindset, the fact that you are willing to learn and grow yourself and just the relationship that you had with parents and that just everything like um, what we just shared, every all the best practices that you shared are things that we share ourselves and you just seamlessly organically put them into practice. And we just really appreciate you. We appreciate what you're doing for your students. We appreciate the time that you spent with us. Are there any last things you want to say to the educators out there who are in this same boat as you? No, I will. Stay positive, keep working, and don't waste the opportunity. Don't waste the opportunity. Great. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us, Frank. Um, And thank you to those listening. Just a reminder, you can follow along on Twitter at Curriculum Asoche and on Instagram at MyIReady. And please be sure to tag us in your post so we can see all of the great things that you are doing every single day. And if you have feedback about the podcast, a topic of interest, or want to be interviewed, please send us an email at extraordinaryeducators at cainc.com. This is about you. We are here for you. And as always, be you, be true, be extraordinary. This podcast is produced by Curriculum Associates and is the copyrighted material and intellectual property of Curriculum Associates.